Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves. That's what our moms tell people when their printers are broken. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners and attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. So this is our first ever episode of Dark Mode, and the first thing that we wanted to do today is kind of clear something up. Because when I tweeted that we were going to make this podcast, and we gave the link to our, our email for submissions, we noticed a bit of a trend, wouldn't you say, Noah? I certainly would. And that trend was, basically, we got like a million emails asking what MacBook should should people buy and i just want to be super clear right off the top of the bat that this is not going to be the macbook buying advice hour uh that would have been a very long name for the podcast for one thing yeah and for another it would have been incredibly boring because there's only so many times that i can say buy an early 2015 macbook pro or an m1 macbook air you know that's going to get old after i think that i think that's probably about it it's already old. Right. And you wouldn't even need me for that at that point because you're the Mac expert. So what am I going to do? Exactly. You're just going to sit there like an idiot. Sit, smile and, smile and nod. Exactly. And, and then if you're listening to it, you can't even see that you're nodding because it's more of a visual thing. That's true. So it'd be even more boring. Exactly. No one wants that. So what we do on this podcast is give advice because, you know, every time, every time we go home, our moms are like, hey, look, this thing doesn't work. Can you fix it for us? Because, you know, if, if you're watching this or listening to this and you're a tech person, then you probably know the drill, you know? Oh, you know tech? Oh, well, you must know why my Epson printer that I bought in 2007 isn't connecting to my random Dell tower. You know, you know tech, right? You know how to fix that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we do know how to fix that. That's not a brag. That's what our moms tell people, and that's what we're going to prove with this podcast. So, I figure the first thing that we should do is just get the Mac buying advice out of the way. You know, some people are going to want to hear it, and to be clear, we are going to talk about Apple. You know, this is still Luke and Noah. We still do a lot of Apple stuff. We're not just going to only do Apple stuff. So, right. first of all, you know, why don't we do a speed round, okay? Noah, all you right. want to whip out a timer? Yes. Let me get my get my clock up here. All right. I'm ready when you are. You ready? Okie dokie. Let me know when you start three. the timer and I will give advice. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. So if you're looking for a MacBook and you're on a pretty tight budget, what you're going to want to buy is either a late 2013 MacBook Air, if you can find one for around 300 or less, or you're going to buy a mid-2012 MacBook Pro 13-inch for maximum upgradability. If you have a little bit larger of a budget to work with, like maybe, I don't know, 500 bucks, you're going to buy like an early 2015 13-inch MacBook Pro. If you want something with a little bit more power and you can step up to six or $700, then you're going to buy either a late 2013 15-inch MacBook Pro or a mid-2015 15-inch MacBook Pro, respectively. If you have more money than that, buy something with Apple Silicon. All right, so that's, that's the Apple advice. How long was that? That was about 40 seconds, maybe a little bit less, so not too bad. 
there we go. So that's gonna that's gonna stop all of these hundreds of emails that I get asking more or less the same question. I'm just kidding. It's not gonna stop that. No. So Noah, would you like to start us off with our first real topic for this episode of Dark Mode? Yes. So our first real topic uh, for this episode comes from It Is Logical, who sent us quite a few uh, interesting suggestions that we'll probably get to some of them uh, in future episodes. But for this episode, we're going to talk about smart homes, smart speakers, and smart assistants as our first topic. I think there's quite a bit in that category. Yeah. Smart homes are those things that we've all been supposed to be into. It's like one of those things where they're like, oh, you know, you got the home app on your iPhone. Every single commercial for an Amazon Alexa or a Google Assistant or whatever is like, oh, you can control your house. And then, you know, it looks cool in the commercial and it looks super effortless and very integrated. But when you actually think about it, how much money would you have to spend to actually be able to use any of that? You know, that's a good question because when you start looking at, I mean, there's there's a lot, like I've seen some of those crazy uh, commercials. You have all your lights hooked up. You got like the blinds that'll rise and, and uh, you know, go up and go down automatically. Um, there's like so many different, I mean, even like your, uh, your um, you know, air conditioning and heating and all that stuff. There's so many, if you want like a fully connected smart house, that's going to set you back quite a bit and that's the that and that's where i have to wonder because like you know you see a commercial for like let's let's set the stage here right you're looking at a commercial you see a very modern home of course because they're all very very modern very minimal homes none of the people Mm -hmm. in these commercials seem to have any possessions it's very interesting so so this this person with a brand new apartment that hasn't had time to buy anything in it other than a bed and a side table and a smart assistant device is sleeping in their almost too unkempt bed to the point where it's like, this is too aesthetic to be an accidentally unkempt bed. And they're there sleeping. They're like, oh man, I'm just getting my sleep. And then all of a sudden, the blinds rise in unison. Music comes on and it's like, time to wake up. The lights come on in the room and it's like this whole ambiance thing. You guys have seen the commercials. Mm -hmm. And then... If you take a moment to think about it. So a couple hundred, what what is it, like 200 bucks for one of those fancy home speakers, uh, home assistant things. Then you're talking, I don't even know how much a smart blind would cost, but they've got plenty of them. So I think it's safe to say you're dropping a couple, couple hundred on those, plus a bunch of smart lights and maybe even a uh, smart thermostat. You know, I, I think I've seen a commercial where it's like, it'll set the temperature to have the perfect temperature for your sleep. And I'm like, okay, could I not just turn the thermostat down before I go to bed? Would that, you know, just boop, boop, that's too much. I need to spend a couple hundred bucks on a fancy thermostat and then tell Google to do it for me? Right. I mean, there's something to be said about telling your assistant or popping up your phone and changing the temperature. Um, but is it really worth all of the money and the hassle to get it set up in the first place? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting predicament. Now, I think in terms of actual usefulness, 
or maybe not even usefulness because let's be honest, smart home products are unnecessary. I don't think there's a single case where you're like, man, I really need that. But um, if, if you're going to buy them, you want them to be at least somewhat helpful. And I think of the ones that we mentioned, the smart blinds might be useful, but I think only in a bedroom. Like if you're in the living room, what are you, you're sitting on the couch. You're like, oh, let me put the blinds down. You pull out your phone. Is it really that hard to go and pull on the little string? I mean, actually, now that I've said that out loud, I hate this. The, the, the string adjustments on the blinds where, you know, you got to be like, all right, I'm, I, I got to get a 45 degree angle. Nope, that's pulling it up. Nope, nope. I got to, you know, you got to get the string in that little tiny notch where it'll let the blinds go back down. Yeah, I that's suppose, uh, not great. I suppose that would be the only case where where a smart assistant would be nice because every time I wrestle with one of those strings, I almost end up strangling myself in it. That's true, but at the same time, I feel like sometimes even when I'm doing it right, they'll still get stuck and whatever. So you have to hope that it doesn't get stuck when it's automatically opening or closing them. Wait, is that a thing that could happen yeah like the like the little um like all the uh the blinds like it's a bunch of pieces right sometimes they'll like get stuck and they won't open properly i don't know Mm. i feel like i feel like most of these smart blind things are usually like a shade Hmm. so it's not it's not going to be like a blind so i think i think if for no other reason than to be rid of blinds, it would be worth exploring. But I am curious, actually, to to find out how much these things cost. So mm-hmm. why don't you take a guess? No, I'm looking this up right now. Smart blinds on Amazon. How much do you think it costs? A standard? I'd have to, I mean, I guess it's like the thing, like a box sort of thing that sits at the top and it has the blinds built into it. Um, uh, at least a hundred dollars, maybe I don't know, hundred, two hundred dollar range. If I had to guess, I gotta say you uh, you pretty much nailed it. So I'm looking at about a hundred and eighty, somewhere more like two hundred. Uh, but it does seem, it does seem like uh, they're not the biggest things. So you'd need hmm. to probably have multiple. Like that's that's basically two hundred dollars per standard size window, and that basically oh, wow. means if you have atypical windows, where it's not going to fit with a standard size, I can only imagine the price would increase exponentially if you're buying custom. Plus, you have to, I mean, presumably they have to be hooked up to power somehow, and I don't think you want to have just like a plug running down to an outlet nearby, so that's going to require like professional installation that's gonna add up if you have a bedroom with like three or four windows in it plus installation that's like fifteen hundred dollars just so that you can have that little scene where you're in your unkempt bed and the the sun comes up and your blinds open and you stretch out looking like you've just applied like you know you've just moisturized your face even though you've been asleep for eight hours I don't know. I don't know if I'm. I don't. I don't know if I buy that. I think I would save my money at that point. 
And I do have to wonder, Noah, if if you were to pick a smart home device, what would it be? If I had to pick one smart home device, what would it be? Interesting question. Um, wouldn't be the blinds. I'll tell you that much. Um, it wouldn't be a smart speaker either because I got a uh, a Google Home Mini um, for free from a Spotify deal, and I never used it. And even in my in the kitchen, uh, my parents' house, there's a uh, an Echo or uh, yeah, an Amazon Echo uh, there, and I pretty much never use that either. Occasionally, as a Bluetooth speaker, but you don't need a smart assistant to be a Bluetooth speaker. You can just get one. If I had to pick one. Um, and someone said this in the, uh, in the uh, chat somewhere. Um, I feel like a smart lock could be kind of interesting. There's privacy concerns, absolutely. And that's something that we could get into now or at some point. But being able to let people into your house, maybe not have to worry about the keys, stuff like that. I feel like that could be genuinely useful. That I didn't think about. Now... When you mentioned smart smart lock, you know, there there are some security concerns with a lot mm-hmm. of these smart home devices. Um, with a lot of the the smart locks, like to lock and unlock your door, like a lock box would be a little bit safer. But the smart locks to get into and out of your house, those things are terrible. The anything that's connected to the internet should not be used to secure your location. That's just common sense. That's true. Um, it's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, these things can be hacked and I guess you don't really know. Presumably the company has some sort of a backdoor or, you know, a technician mode, um, that could be activated, you know, accidentally or maliciously, or I'm not trying to start any conspiracy theories or, or point any fingers, but if there is the ability to, uh, to exploit something, then, you know, someone's going to try to do it and they're, they're going to do it. I mean, that's why people pick locks because, you know, that's something that that's an exploit that you can, that you can do. So if you can do something over the internet, uh, you don't have to be physically picking a lock you know, absolutely people are going to try to do that. Exactly. And I mean, that's that's the thing, because if you think about the lock that you have on your house or apartment right now, if someone wants to get into your house, they have to be there. But if you're in a situation where, like, these smart locks, where they're all the same, like the hardware is the same, it's it's a product that you can buy, and there's, like, a breach. Someone gets into that system or bypasses something then theoretically all they need to be able to do is not get detected and blocked out by the company and then you know kind of look at people's doors until they see one of those locks and say okay i can get in there so you might not be a target until someone notices that lock now obviously you know as noah said we don't want to spread conspiracies so uh to my knowledge there's no current like weaknesses there's no like uh, smart lock on the market that's gonna basically just be like hey come on in folks but i did see a video i cannot remember where it was it was basically like you know how you go in these like youtube rabbit holes where you're like how did i get here why am i watching this yeah i was watching a video uh by like a locksmith youtube channel such a thing exists it's quite a wonderful thing and they basically said 
that the that the smart lock was not just easy, not just from like a cybersecurity perspective, but from like a physical security perspective, was very poorly designed. And he was able to, I think he he used a drill to get in, and uh, the 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 pins inside the lock were incredibly easy to to break through. So that's not even talking about digitally. That's not even like you know the the whole. Do you really want your doorbell uploading video to the internet? That's that's in sort of like you know the thing that's securing your house is not well designed. Uh, I don't remember which smart lock that was, um, but there and there were some that had like a battery powered deadbolt. Hmm, that's no good. You don't mm. want that. So I feel like with a lot of technology things, they you know the the uh, the idea becomes a reality before the practicality sets in. Right. You know, it's funny because I, I, I don't remember where I saw this. I think it was probably on some Reddit thread. Um, but basically it was the, the joke or, or not even a joke because it's kind of true. Uh, they were saying the more that you know about technology, the less likely you are to uh, fill your house with smart home gadgets. And they were saying like program, like you go to a programmer's house and you, uh, you don't see that many of these things there. And it's because they know um, you know, obviously there's privacy concerns and hacking concerns. And even beyond that, there's just straight up social engineering. If you can log into an app or log into a website to view camera feeds inside your house or unlock doors or anything like that, if someone wants to target you, they can, um, you know, figure out your information, reset your password, stuff like that. And even, um, and this is a whole other discussion, uh, if someone that you know is trying to target you, they could probably answer your security questions. They'll know your phone number, things like that. So um, even, you know, concerns beyond just some, you know, anonymous rogue entity uh, hacking into a company, if you are being targeted specifically, basically these smart home gadgets end up being additional attack vectors, um, you know, into your home. That, and that's just, you know, a trade-off that you have to uh, consider. Yeah, and I mean... I'm I'm not a huge subscriber of, like uh, I feel like it's a it's a pretty common refrain that you'll hear from people who are aware of tech and use tech but aren't super knowledgeable about tech. You know when you when you talk about the the, the people who are like oh Siri's spying on me or you know oh I don't I don't trust these companies they're like stealing my information. I'm not a huge subscriber of that whole belief. I don't think. That I mean, certainly Apple. Apple doesn't want your hey, what's the weather out? They don't care about that. Google doesn't care about that. Yeah, it's not great that they store all sorts of data. And same with Facebook. Facebook's really bad about storing and selling data. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't. I'm not a huge subscriber of that whole like, ooh, there's there's malicious in the intent to do all of this. I I think that's probably overblown. Um, but in terms of having things in your house with cameras on them that are connected to the internet, there's always going to be some amount of unease with that. Right. Uh, now, what we I mentioned Siri, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that kind of brings us to the other aspect of this question, which was really about home speakers, or smart speakers, smart homes, and smart assistants, right? Right. 
Now, let's address smart assistants. Even, even sort of divorcing ourselves from the smart home conversation, if we just talk about smart assistants, hmm. I don't know. I don't think, I don't know how smart they are. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you kind of alluded to this when you were talking about having, what was it, an echo in your kitchen? Mm-hmm, yeah. And how often do you use it? Uh, I, that echo I pretty much never used. I had the uh, the uh, Google Home Mini as well. I plugged it in one time to set it up, and I just couldn't find a use. It's sitting in a shelf somewhere. Uh, I don't know, but I just couldn't find a use for it personally. Yeah, I mean... The same even goes for something as basic as Siri. I rarely, if ever, use Siri. I, I, yeah. I just, I mean, and I've heard that, you know, Siri compared to some of the other smart assistants, I've heard, you know, Siri's probably not as good. Um, and, and partially that's because of Apple's pretty aggressive privacy policy, um, which is good from a privacy perspective, but means that they don't have the level of comprehension that some of the companies that will store and analyze data will have. But even regardless of that, I think smart assistants are pretty pointless. Yeah, I mean, I can see the convenience of being able to talk out loud especially you now you have one sitting in your kitchen whatever you're cooking your hands are dirty stuff like that um you know you can speak a command out loud and it'll do it i feel like the main problem is there's not a ton that the assistants can actually do and when you're talking to them you sometimes have to be very uh specific in your wording of your command you'll run into situations where you'll say something uh, and it won't recognize it properly. Or I'll say like, you know, call Luke mobile. And sometimes it'll say, okay, which number do you want for Luke? Like it didn't hear that I said mobile. Like that happens pretty frequently with Siri. There's just all these things where if you have a smart assistant, it's supposed to assist you, you know, you you tell it what to do and it sort of, you know, picks up from there and and does it. But I feel like the current smart assistants just, they, they don't do so much. They don't do too much and they, uh, they, take a little bit more effort to use maybe than, than you'd like. Yeah. I mean, if we think about it, um, if, if you're talking about like, let's, let's something as mundane as setting a timer, right? That's a pretty simple task. And right. I don't think there's a smart assistant out there that is not capable of setting a timer. It's probably one of the easiest things to program a smart assistant to do. But even then, I feel like there are plenty of situations where I'm trying to set a timer and I, you know, it gets the wrong number or it takes too long to respond. I found that Hey Siri is pretty hit or miss. I don't know if you've had this experience, Noah. And I swear that I've like checked my settings, but my, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, I just said, Hey Siri, and my iPhone is about 12 inches away from my face and it did nothing. I just said it like hmm. three times. Hey Siri, nothing. I, I, I don't even know. Let me check the setting while I get your take on this because I, I almost think it's turned off. Oh, it might be. But, um, yeah, I I don't really use uh, 
the the hey siri all that much uh i guess i i use it with the airpods occasionally one thing i'll say though as far as like the the countdown and the the timers go i always i use my apple watch yes i do still have a tag on this jacket i need to take that off um but i use my apple watch uh to set the timers and the reason is because i can glance down at my wrist and i can see how much time is left and whenever I, uh, you know, if you use a smart assistant, you have to ask it how much time is left. And, you know, it'll it'll tell you, maybe it'll say about a minute or it'll tell you how much longer is left. It's just annoying. Like, if you can just glance down at your wrist or even glance at your phone and see the time, I feel like that's, you know, if the smart assistant is supposed to be convenient, I feel like that's still more convenient to just glance, uh, glance down and see, you know, how much time is left. So even in that regard, I would prefer just, you know, tap on my Apple Watch even use Siri on my Apple Watch if I really want to, but just you know, having a screen is is uh, is really convenient for that. And realistically, a smart assistant should make something convenient. Now, from a user experience perspective, right? If you're if you're using something regularly, you want it to work almost a hundred percent of the time because, as humans, we're sort of programmed to really remember the negative experiences because they stick out. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about a smart assistant not listening to you, if it gets it eight out of 10 times, those two out of 10 times are going to be your primary like memory. So right. if, if, I'm, if I'm asking Siri to, uh, to set a timer for me and two out of 10 of those requests end up with it misunderstanding or doing something wrong or I have to do it again, that is already, you know, as soon as it messes up one time, the convenience is already diminished. I could have done it myself. Um, or I could have even triggered Siri myself and then responded instead of using Hey Siri, which never works. And I'm sorry because I guarantee I've just set off a whole bunch of people's iPhones right there, proving yet again how annoying it is. Uh, as soon as it malfunctions at all and removes convenience rather than adding it, your your primary memory is wow that was a terrible experience yeah that's true um and you know before uh one other topic i want to bring up with smart assistants and um it's probably something that most people don't run into uh, but kind of interesting is so i have all of my electronic devices set in spanish um because i like to it's a really good way to practice uh pro tip there if you want to learn a language set your phone to that language, set your computer, whatever. Um, and it's a little bit of immersion um, learning in that way. But I have my phone set in, in Spanish and all that stuff. And you can set the Siri language independent of the system language, but I'd prefer to have uh, you know Siri in Spanish. So if I ever have to talk, I can practice my Spanish a bit. The problem is that Siri, and as far as I can tell, most smart assistants are not bilingual. So if I have Siri set to Spanish and I try to say something in English, like someone's name or the name of a place or the name of a song, uh, I have to say it with a Spanish accent. And even then it, it works hit or miss. So for example, if I want to say to call Luke, I have to say llama a Luque. So like if you were saying Luke with a Spanish accent, you'd say like Luque, I guess, if you were pronouncing it directly. So I, I have to say it like that in order for Siri to know what I'm talking about. And if you're trying to say the name of a place or the name of a song or anything like that, it's just not gonna know what you're talking about. So a problem that most people don't run into, fair, but I will say if you're a Spanish speaker who lives in the United States, 
um, and you're trying to get uh, navigation directions to a place that probably has an English name, uh, and your Siri, you know, language is set to Spanish, you're not going to have uh, any luck there. So for what it's worth, and that's obviously a very tricky, um, you know, problem of, uh, you know, to solve, it's, it is uh, something that I personally run into uh, with the bilingual stuff. That's a really interesting point. I, I hadn't even considered that. Uh, and, and I guess that's, you know, that's really on me for being your, your sort of typical English speaking white guy that to, to not really think about that sort of thing, but let's be fair or not fair. Let's be real that that's probably the case when you're talking about the development of a lot of these smart technologies, they're not necessarily made with everyone in mind. Now, granted, of course, it's impossible to encompass every possible situation. Like, oh, I'm so mad. My Siri doesn't work, and I live next to a jackhammer manufacturing plant, and it can't ever hear me. Like, you're not going to be able to manufacture for every single possible uh, person's experience. But in the U.S., and across the world, there are a ton of multilingual Spanish speakers. Uh, if you're if, in America, there are, there's a huge population of people that speak Spanish. And here's a pro tip. If you speak Spanish and you're trying to get directions to somewhere in America, it's probably going to be in English. So th that's not an uncommon scenario, what you've just described there. Like mm -hmm. if you wanted to go to Columbus, Ohio, what would you have to say to Siri? You could try saying like Columbus Ohio or something like that, but when when you're dealing with proper nouns, see when you're dealing with person with people's names, it can look in your contacts. So if I say Luke Miani or whatever, it can look in the contacts and figure out who I'm talking about. But if you're using like a name of a place, like a pizza place or uh, or whatever, it, it's not gonna it's not gonna work with that because you're you're the words are in English at that point, and it's and you know if series in Spanish, it's it's not gonna work there. That's actually quite a big oversight. That's crazy. It, it's it's an interesting problem because if you're thinking about it from from like a you know the algorithm perspective or the coding perspective, um, you know you already have to uh, you know do speech. You have to do uh, speech to text. But then if you have multiple languages present, figuring out which language a word belongs to is uh, is tricky. There are some words like no, for example, no in English, no in Spanish. It's the same uh, word. Like there's so many. Uh, you know, tricky uh, things to run into. So I'm not saying that I that I put any blame, uh, you know, because it's a very hard problem to solve. And it's not the first problem you have to solve. It's, you know, something that you would want to solve eventually. Um, but in the current state of things, we're talking about the current state of smart assistants. It is a problem. It is a, you know, a problem. It's something that 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 should be fixed. Yeah, I mean, who knows, maybe in 10 years from now, we'll be at a point where you know, smart smart assistants will be hosting this podcast. Noah and I won't even be here. We'll just we'll just say, you know, okay, assistant. I won't I won't say it. You know, gotta that's smart thinking there. So no one's gonna get triggered. Literally, mm -hmm. uh, hey, assistant, start dark mode episode seven hundred ninety three, and then there it'll go. We won't even need to be here. We're basically redundant. Yeah, eventually. Have you ever seen those videos where the uh, they have the two smart speakers talk to each other? Those are really funny. Those are always interesting. It's kind of scary though to think it's like two like computers talking. Like not that not that anything's you know gonna come of it. It's just the thought of like two computer systems 
talking out loud to each other. I don't know. It's kind of kind of trippy, kind of kind of cool. Oh, it's absolutely trippy. It's the kind of stuff that would have made George Orwell squirm <laughs> if he saw it. It's like if if I, if you could go back in time and you know give any historical figure a little surprise, a little sneak peek into the future, and you brought them like a uh, a HomePod and an Alexa and somehow an internet connection <laughs> and you could have those two talking to each other that would be that would probably completely annihilate any historical figure that you brought it upon and we think of it as like the most mundane useless thing right that's some uh, time period discrimination right there these these silly people in their in their old times that don't exist anymore ah how naive they were we don't even care our smart assistants our computers talk to each other and we think they're idiots all these <laughs> all these people back in the day they're like ooh computers are going to talk to each other and they're going to take over the world they can't even tell each other what time it is so the joke's on them yeah now i think we actually have uh so we've got we've got a couple other questions here so the other question that we had from Nathan is about storage. So his question is upgrading internal storage versus getting external storage, prioritizing speed with an SSD or size with a hard drive, etc. Now this is a question that I get not just from other techie people and people going, hey, which MacBooks should I buy a more SSD? This is something that I'll get from people that store a lot of photos and videos and, you know, family members that buy the cheapest MacBook Air because it's the cheapest without really thinking about how much storage they actually need. Uh, and that, and that's something that happens a lot of times, like when, when, if you're coming off a, a unibody MacBook Pro from like 2012, something like that, those are all at least 500 gigabytes. That's they they only that was like the minimum storage was a 500 gigabyte hard drive. Sure, it's right. slow and bad now, but it's 500 gigabytes. And if you buy the cheapest version of any, you know, Apple Silicon Mac right now, that like the MacBook Air, which is what most people go for, you're gonna have that storage. So it's better, it's faster, but it's half. Right. So the question is, do you buy it up front? Do you buy external? Or do you and do and if you do buy external, is it hard drive or SSD? It's an interesting. I'm going to throw What's one more solution? wrinkle in there. One more okay. wrinkle in there is cloud storage is uh, another Ooh. option as well. So oh, another. I didn't think about that. Another not not quite the same, but I guess it sort of accomplishes the same goal. So it's That's another thing to consider. That's very interesting. What's your? Now I know you have a one terabyte SSD in your MacBook Pro but you have more than a terabyte of total data. So what is what do you do? Yeah, so I have a 2018 MacBook Pro. I, I uh, upgraded uh, from the 512 uh, standard to a terabyte because I knew that I would need extra storage, especially I have boot camp on there as well. It takes up 300 gigs. So I knew I was gonna need extra storage, but I also have a 14 terabyte external hard drive and I just upgraded, I had a five terabyte before that got full, I got a 14, which is a very big improvement to future-proof um, as well. And it's this hard drive. It's a uh, Seagate brand, I think, or uh, or something like that. I think that. it's the same one that I had. 
Yeah, you you have you have uh, one of your many hard drives is, is the same <laughs> I have as so that. many. Yeah. Um, oh, but I will, I will say I got the, uh, I think I paid like in the range of like 180 or, uh, no, how much did I pay for? I think it was 160, wasn't it? For 14 terabytes. Yeah. Something like that, which is, which is a lot when you think about, uh, when you think about that to pay, you know, I was 160, 180, somewhere in that range, uh, for 14 terabytes. The main trade-off of course, is that it's slower it's an external hard drive and it's a mechanical you know it's not an ssd it's obviously it's a mechanical hard drive and for me for my purposes there it works perfectly fine um i have all my old files on there all the movies that i made in you know middle school high school um old documents i have a bunch of like uh old software and virtual machine uh files and and uh, disk images and and a bunch of old stuff. And then I also have my backup on there as well. And in scenarios like that, where you have a lot of files and big files and files that you don't access all that often, you wanna go with, you know, you, you probably wanna go with the standard hard drive because it's gonna be way, way, way less expensive uh, than an SSD. And it's gonna be slower, but you don't need the speed because if you actually wanna use those files, you can copy them off but for the most part, you're not gonna be accessing them regularly. And the other thing I use that drive for is backup, which is also good because I'm not super concerned uh, with the speed if I'm doing incremental backups, a single backup is not gonna be that big. And I rarely, if ever, need to access the data that's backed up. And so again, you know, hard drive, basically hard drive, you're going for quantity uh, over speed. And for those scenarios, you know, the hard drive is, is definitely the way to go. I agree. Uh, now, in, if you wanted to blend it, because basically for, for the longest time, the argument came down to like, if you wanted a lot of storage, you basically had to have hard drives either in or near your system. Um, and now, of course, that's still true. SSDs are more expensive than hard drives. However, if I may draw your attention to a little thing known as the Samsung T5 and T7 SSDs, these things are huge in the filmmaking community. A lot of people record to these and store footage on them. You can get right now a one terabyte Samsung T5 for $120. That's not much more than a normal SSD that you would put in a Mac or a computer with a SATA port. And that's that's pretty compelling because if you're if you're in a position where you have a 256 gigabyte ssd uh having something like that that's small usb-c which we love everything should be usb-c now and um you know you want to have the the benefits of the speed of an ssd i mean you're talking the t7s can get about a gigabyte per second over thunderbolt which is not too shabby you could edit on a drive such as that, which is not what you could say for the many, many hard drives that I've gone through on my channel. Now, <laughs> I figure I might as well come clean here, folks. I've been using standard USB hard drives up until uh, about three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's shocking. It's, they're not good. Well, you say that in a sarcastic voice, but it is pretty shocking because... They are a huge bottleneck in my productivity. And when they fill up, because I don't want to, you know, get rid of them, 
because they still have my video projects for a couple of months on them. I basically just have to buy another one. And so I end up with, in the last two years, I have probably four or five. Um, there's a mixture of like, there's like one eight, two or three twelves, and then two fourteens, I think. That's a lot of storage. It's a lot of storage. And it's all basically single-use hard drives, which is not a good way to run a YouTube channel. So what I've done recently is a fantastic combination between the speed that you want and the storage that you need. And that is I bought a RAID array. Uh, now, another thing that's pretty popular is building a NAS. Um, I might end up doing that eventually, but right now I'm very happy with my RAID array. I got it from OWC. It was $1,800 and it is 48 terabytes across four hard drives. It can clock almost a gigabyte per second because you know, you're know you using those hard drives in tandem and over Thunderbolt, which really lets you get them shifting. And I think that's a really great option. Obviously, 48 terabytes is a lot. If you need regularly accessed data, a RAID array, maybe not of that much capacity, is a great way to go because it's fast. And more importantly, you're spreading the load between the drives. I have one 14 terabyte drive that I used for a couple of months last year. Um, and by the end of it, my hard drive diagnostic software was saying, yeah, this, this, this drive is going to fail. Like in a couple of months, in, in under one year, I wore out a lot of that hard drive. Because when you video edit on a drive, if you're regularly accessing one of the files on those drives, like all the time, those read-write cycles add up very quickly if it's only one drive. Whereas if you're spreading it on four, then you've got a little bit more leeway. Plus, you have redundancy if a drive does fail. Yeah, that's true. I mean, depending on how you configure it, you can configure it so that you have less effective storage, but some of the storage is used uh, you know, for redundancy and backup. Um, and, and obviously, a RAID array is going to be a little bit more of a commitment. Um, I, I don't think it's more, you know, technologically tricky by any means. Um, you know, it comes with some software that you install and you're basically good to go at that point. But um, you do get a benefit, you know, you can swap out drives, drives get full, you can swap them out for new ones. Um, and then if you ever need to access the old data, you know, swap them back in and and, uh, and you're good to go. So it's definitely, you know, if you're buying a ton of those uh, hard drives, you know, in the enclosures, maybe a RAID array is a worthy investment. I don't think most people, uh, for most people, it would necessarily be uh, the way to go. But when you're, you know, a YouTuber and you have tons of, you know, big video files, you know, that in that case, you're, that's definitely the way to go. When you're a YouTuber and you got a lot of files, where do you turn? RAID arrays or NAS. If I were a little bit less lazy, I would do a NAS. I, I basically bought the RAID array because it was like a plug and play situation. I, I, I even bought it pre-configured, I'll admit. I ended up paying a hard drive premium. I'm ashamed, but I'm not embarrassed because you know I did what had to be done. We were moving into a studio. I'm not about to be like, oh, I've got to plug them in. Uh. So I just bought it pre, uh, pre-done. 
That's not that's not the word that I was thinking of. <laughs> what word was Pre- I thinking of? Preconfigured. Oh yeah, there you go. That's what I was thinking of. There we go. Oh man. Yeah, honestly, here here's here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Imagine this. You want to have hard drives. You want to have expandable storage because let's be honest, external storage sometimes you want to be expandable too. You know, let's let's not pretend that we've we've not been in a situation where you buy a two terabyte external drive and you think, well, there you go, I'm good to go. That's going to last me for a long time. And then you fill it up and you're like, ugh, I really wish that I could just have everything in one place. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you the stackable hard drive. So picture picture this in your mind, all right? This you bear with me, Noah, because you're sort of like my uh, my beta test candidate for this idea. All right. So, all right. what if you had essentially a power supply base that had a number of dock connectors? So, you know, your Thunderbolt has your power connector, and then you can buy these like pucks, and in each puck is a three and a half inch drive of your choosing. Uh, and you can you can add them on your own. You can just buy the pucks that are empty, or maybe you can buy a pre-configured puck. I don't know. And you can put that on there. Like let's say you start with four terabytes, and then you want to expand it a little bit more. You pu- you buy another another puck. You stack it on top. It's got like these interlocking pins that'll extend. You know, kind of connect it all, and you sort of end up with this stackable RAID array, and you can just keep adding hard drives as you go. Granted, it, it might get a little tall, but you know. I think it's an interesting idea. So it, it sounds like the sort of RAID array thing that you have with four hard drive bays, but instead of having a set number of hard drive bays, you could just s- keep stacking them? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm assuming that there would eventually be a limit on on how many you could stack, but... If you could just, like, let's say it has a maximum of, like, 12, right? You could get some big storage up in that tower. And then, you know, maybe you could... Granted, you would, you'd would reach a limit, right? Okay, I, I'll admit. But you could, you could get pretty high up there, and you wouldn't have to buy all that storage up front. Or have an 8-bay thing, like a massive cabinet with, like, two hard drives in it. It's true. I don't... I'd be interested to see how it would look if you made a giant stack of uh, of pucks, I guess. Uh, my two initial thoughts are, uh, at some point, you're probably going to need a second power supply, uh, depending on how many there are. And the second one is, who's making these pucks, and are they proprietary, and are you going to have to pay a premium to get into this hypothetical ecosystem? Oh, this ecosystem is absolutely proprietary. Now, don't you worry... Mm-hmm. Okay, um, good. But 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 okay. Now let's let, let's be fair. We're not talking Apple proprietary here. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lock your removable SSD such that if you wanted to upgrade it, you couldn't. Which is what I believe they did for a little while. I think they might have reversed on that particular decision with the the Mac Pro. But for a while, that SSD was tied to the computer, so you couldn't upgrade it. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not we're not gonna be that. Uh, shady with our business practices in this new hard drive tower ecosystem that i'm envisioning here you would be able to 
put a hard drive in the puck. So the puck is really more of a casing. And that, of course, would be proprietary because I don't really know what else it would be. You know, to, to have this sort of stacking mechanism, you're going to have to pay the premium to get such advanced technology such as this. But, uh, you know, it, it would have like a little, you could have like a little door on the back and you could like, boop, and then you open the door and then you could put in your hard drive and then, you know, boop, close the door again and then put it on your stack and then you go, right? Tell me that's not at least a little bit interesting, right? It is interesting. And you know what's funny is, and I was just looking for a second, but someone uh, wrote in the chat that it sounds like uh, a product that already exists. And I did a quick search. Oh, no. And it seems like it might. Someone has already built the, the hard drive tower? Oh, my goodness. I'm... I, it was a quick look, but I think your empire uh, might have been conquered or pre-conquered. Oh, no. That means there's only one thing that's going to save my now-crumbling business empire, and that is a catchy name um, with colorful branding and an expensive ad campaign that makes it seem like there's something that's incredibly interesting about it. Because that's, from what I've seen, that's really the only... The only way to save my business here. Now, I am curious. Would you uh, would you mind uh, sending me that link? Because I'm not sure if it's up to the standards of of what I'm sort of proposing here. All right, I will send you send you over. That's the name. I don't no, know how to pronounce by, it. It's made by. It's Lacy, I think. Lacy. I think it's Lacy. That's that's my All guess. Right. Um, we're probably gonna get berated for something. But I was that's, too that's scared to say the name. That's why I didn't say it because I figured I would be wrong. That's pretty funny. I was wondering why you weren't saying it. I guess that makes sense. Okay, let me look at this. I don't want to mm. give them any advertising either because we don't. You know, if they're gonna be a competitor. I don't know about. Th- yeah, that's re- really good note there. If we're gonna start this business, we don't want any. You know, we don't want to give away any free publicity here. Uh, now I I did look up the uh, the aforementioned hard drive, but I'm not seeing anything like that. Um, it looks like I mean, with a lot of RAID arrays, you can add the drives within the enclosure. I'm talking about expanding the enclosure here, ladies and gentlemen. That's revolutionary. Um, oh yeah, you've sent me a picture. Which, I don't I'm assuming this is a real product. I it it doesn't look real. What? That's very bizarre. For those of you who are listening along and for watching cuz we're not showing a picture, what what Noah has sent me looks like a stack of very weird lopsided coasters. Um I'm just going to go ahead and say that our business is still viable because I don't think I don't think I, I'm not compelled as a consumer. I'm not I'm not sold on this on this product that I've that I've been shown here, and I think the hard drive tower. What what would we call it? I feel like hard drive tower is a bit, you know, it's a bit plain. It's not catchy. It's certainly straight into the point, but mm. but not catchy. I would say. 
So what, what, what are we thinking here? And we can ask our live chat here to, to kind of kind of help us out. Um, but I, I, I think, ah, oh man, I think there's gotta be like a, like hard, it's gotta, it's like, like hard drive, right? We got that sort of basis. Mm-hmm. If, if there's a way that you could sort of wordplay that into like hard tower. No, that, no, 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 that does not work. Mm. Uh, drive, drive, uh, drive, drive, oh, drive is a good drive tower. Stack drive. Any of these doing anything for you here, my uh, uh my my uh, test panel, Noah? Someone someone said uh, they should call it, and I think this is the same person, Chloe, same person who um who pointed out the uh, other the other option. They said a platter of hard drives, which is a good pun because you've got you know your your platter of drives, but then also the drive platter. You know, that's a very good of pun. The hard drive. I, I will give them I will I will give them that. Now that that that's a great bit of wordplay. However, if I may, I don't know that it necessarily conveys the verticality of this concept. <laughs> to me, that seems like more of a westward expansion sort of a thing. That seems more shelf like than than tower towering. Ooh, okay, wait a minute, wait mm. a minute. Someone has suggested power tower mm-hmm. i don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense but i like it power tower very catchy very catchy. very catchy sounds like an old apple you know power mac all that stuff yeah. power seems tower. like a like a nickname for the for the mac pro i don't know oh yeah that's a that's a good one um someone was saying like hyperdrive. i don't know that that necessarily someone said hyper tower Someone said Trump Tower. I think that one might be taken already. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Oh man, I I think I think what we've done here, and by we, what I really mean, I'm just being nice. This was my idea, so um, I I will I will not hesitate to throw you under the bus when this takes off. No, I just want to be very upfront. Um, this, I, I, you know, I'm sort of ex- extending an olive branch here by. By giving us broad royal we credit here, but as soon as this takes off, you are out of the picture. You know that's fine because when that happens, I'll just write a book about you and and uh, and the company and how you forced me out and how you know power hungry you've become. And you know it'll be a bestseller and you know we'll we'll be good there. So so you'll sort of profit off of the hate that will be generated by. What can I, what I can only describe as the jealousy of my insanely good idea. I think it'll be sort of like a Crocs situation. Like you know when Crocs came out and everyone was like, "Well, uh, why are these the guy the Croc Mr. Dave Croc? I don't know who made them. Is like super rich now, and all he did was like, "Hey, what if shoe had hole in it? <laughs> you know, I could have come up with that. Yeah, but you didn't. You could have come up with the power tower, but you didn't. You were lazy." And now I'm the Mark Zuckerberg in the situation. Well, that's true. And you know what? See, it's already gone to your head. It's gone straight to your head, and it's only going to go more and more from there. So You know um, what else is going to go to my head? You know what else is going to go to my head? The Tower of Hard Drives, as I expand my storage, Uh it's going to eclipse me in height. And and maybe, oh, what about this? I'm expanding the ecosystem here. As the tower grows in height, it can transform a living space. It could become 
a light stand. It could have like an extension on it and you could turn it into a lamp. Uh, maybe it could even have like, uh, what if there was like an extent, uh, an extension, right? So it was a double wide and then you could have like a branch and you could have like this beautiful, beautiful sculpture of hard drives that are both beautiful and functional. This is this is the kind of stuff that uh now I do have to say I look down at the chat and almost immediately uh there's rain on my parade here. What about the cooling on this tower? You see um that's a very good point. Water cooling. Mm-hmm. Each each puck has a small water cooling pump. Well, it's not necessarily a pump. The pump is in the base. They've just got tubing to keep the costs down. Uh, and don't worry, we will absolutely not pass those savings on to the consumer. That's more profit for us, uh, for me, because Noah's going to be long cut out by this point. I'm glad and that you're the olive branch is gone at this point. You're just it's it's all you now. It's, it's totally yeah, the, the olive branch was almost immediately like I gave it to you, but then I just let go of it. You've got it, but it's not really doing anything at this point. You know, I'm fine because what's going to happen is you're 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 getting carried away. You're, you've kind of lost the original idea here, getting a little bit carried away. The thing's going to fall over. The data is going to be lost. The no. pipes are going to shatter, and the water is going to get all over the hard drives. And you're going to have a lot of unhappy customers, and that will be the end of that. You're painting a really unflattering image of what I think is is a fantastic idea. I know you um, think it's a fantastic idea. And that's not just me. There are literally 270,000 people that agree with me. Uh, by the way, I sh- this is the point in the podcast where I should note that if you are subscribed to the channel, then you legally agree with me on all things that we talk about in dark mode. That was, you know, this is a little part of the fine print. You got to, you know, you got to read that stuff. But 270,000 people many of whom probably won't even ever hear this podcast, support my business venture. And, you know, I, I don't know that that, that is, a, you know, that's the kind of support that you can't really ignore here, Noah. You really want to fly in the face of 270,000 proud people? You know, I will wish you the best of luck on this endeavor that is definitely real and definitely going to happen the best of luck i hope you do well and if you do i'll buy your product i will oh you will because i I do not offer a friend and family discount i just want to be very upfront about that you're gonna have to pay full price plus shipping and handling i fit i fit and as long as you handle it personally i will i will pay extra Mm, we can talk about that i might i might have uh you know, I could I could consider doing a a limited production run of hand painted power tower pucks, which is now that I say it very fun to say out loud. A power tower puck. Um, you could have a power tower base, a power tower puck, a power tower lamp accessory. You know, or this is really almost infinite expansion here. Um, yeah, someone just said in the chat what I think is very accurate. Steve Jobs had nothing on me. All right, all right. This is this is this is a little bit. I I, I just like how this has grown uh, yeah. from a silly idea into I am. So so you're right now you're I'm better than Steve Jobs. The next step is going to be I am God. Well, I never said better than Steve Jobs. It's just you know, 
Steve Jobs, bless him. You know, he it, it was a different time. You know, there, there was not the idea of having a tower of hard drives didn't really occur to the man. You know, I feel I almost feel bad. Um, you know, and and to be honest, Tim Cook is in the same boat here. Tim Cook is a dinosaur. You know, you're talking about putting a single non-stackable hard drive in a computer. I mean, uh, by the time I'm done with, with this new plan, eventually, you know, you start with a tower where that eventually leads is wireless hard drive transmission. So this tower is really a sculpture all, all on its own, and you can wirelessly beam data to your device. You won't even need an SSD in your next computer because the power tower will be able to do everything for you. It'll even be a smart assistant, and it'll be able to set a timer with a speaker module, and it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna forget your name or need you to speak with a Spanish accent. The power tower is gonna solve all of the problems that we've talked about in this podcast. I like, I like how you brought it back there. I think you're getting what we in the industry call feature creep, which is where uh, <laughs> it just, it just, just features keep creeping in. Uh, more and more, and at the end of it, I'm not sure if you know uh, know what you're left with. But you know what? I will wish you the best of luck on this endeavor. I mean, I guess I'm not a part of it, so you know, good luck with that. But uh, but I wish you the best of luck. Well, only time will tell if uh, your your talk of feature creep is real. But I'll tell you what time does tell, and that's that this first ever episode of Dark Mode with Luke Miani and Noah Rubin has come to an end. So I'd like to thank you guys so much for tuning in on the stream or on your favorite podcast streaming service. Uh, we had a lot of fun tonight, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun in the nights going forward. Yeah, so definitely make sure to come back uh, most Sundays, hopefully every Sunday. Uh, hopefully. 9 p.m. is when we're... Uh, when we're starting 9 p.m. Eastern. But if you come by 8.45, maybe earlier sometimes, uh, we can hang out and uh, and chat a little bit in Sunset, uh, which is the before show. And you can find us on hopefully your favorite podcast service. If not, you can send us an email. And in general, if you have some topics that you want us to talk about uh, on the podcast, you can send us an email to submissions at drkmodepodcast.com we'll take a look at it maybe we'll include it so with that thank you guys so much for joining us here on dark mode i have been your host luke miani and i have been your host noah rubin thank you all for joining us